all you guys out there, happy Father's Day. Uh, I don't know what Father's Day means for some of you. For me, it's a, a time of excitement and a time of joy. I have three kids that I love so much, and on most days I can look at them, and by the way that they act and, and, and treat one another, most days I can say, you know what, I'm, I'm an okay father. I'm not, not too bad. There are other days that I think, well, man, I'm... I really missed the mark on that one, but I also love Father's Day because I have a couple of fathers that I love so much. My earthly father, who you are going to get to see uh, in, in just a few days, he's going to be visiting in and he's going to be joining with uh, Wyatt and I as, as we kind of have a, a team sermon. Uh, I hope you're excited about that. You're probably thinking, Doug goes long enough as it is, if we add in two more crumbs, we may be here till dinner time. I can't promise anything, but I I really love my father, and he's been a, a great influence in my life, and of course, my heavenly father just means so much to me and what he's done, uh, and and how he's supplied me with a, a family of brothers and sisters that I'm I'm so thankful for. But but maybe for some of you, it's it's not that way. Maybe maybe you struggle with uh, your role as a father. Maybe you you didn't have the father that you wanted, maybe you haven't connected with God on that level. I was at camp this week, uh, and we were sitting down, and, and one of our, our young men, he was, I, was, I would say, 17, 18 years old, and we were reading through, and we were talking about the love of God. And he, he, he literally said, this is a conversation I heard, I was right next to him, a, a few other kids were talking, he says, he goes, yeah, God's love is like the love of a mother. And one of his, his friends sitting next to him said, no, no, it's like the love of a father. And he says, no, it's like a love of a mother. And the other kid wasn't going to give in. He says, no, it's like the love of the father. And he says, he says, well, not my father. Because he had had an, a, a father who was absent, neglectful, abusive. And so he couldn't say anything good about his father. And so for some of you, when you think about Father's Day, it's, it's difficult. Maybe you did have a father that you love, but, but he's gone and you dearly miss him. And so as we gather here and we celebrate Father's Day, we just want to recognize that, that for some of you, this may be a difficult day. And we just want you to know that as a family, we celebrate with those of you who are here to celebrate. And those who are struggling, we want you to know we're here to hold you up and love you and let you know that we do have a Heavenly Father who is worth praising and honoring today. You know, I don't want to kick shins, but boy, we've, we've struggled in this country as, as being the types of fathers that God has called us to be. And we can all talk about all sorts of programs and educations and, and different things that we haven't given to our kids, but the main breakdown that's taken place is within the family. And you look at, at young men and young women who grow up without a father in the house who is loving and kind to them, and you're going to see a child who is going to struggle all throughout his life. And what we need to do is we need to be people who love our children and we honor God. right? And so that's exactly what I want to do this morning. 
you know, we've talked about over the last several weeks how Satan likes to attack us. And there's different ways in which he comes at us with his lies and his tricks and his tactics. All the different ways that he wants to lure us away from a closer walk with God. He uses busyness. He uses weariness. He uses us focusing on things that are far off and out of control and on, on just ourselves. He wants us to just look only at what we want. And then he sprinkles in all sorts of idols that we can find ourselves worshiping other than God. But this week I want to talk about another way in which God likes to trap us. I'm, I'm sorry, in which... Satan likes to trap us, and that is through apathy. Just getting to a point where you don't care. Years ago, there's a story of a coach who had his most talented player out on the, the field, but he was just struggling. He, just, he was missing blocks. He wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. And finally, the coach got a hold of him during halftime, and he says, hey, I don't understand it. Your head's not in the game. Your heart's not in the game. You just got to tell me what in the world is, is going on. Is it ignorance or is it apathy? And, and, uh, and the kid replied, coach, I don't know and I don't care. <laughs> right? And so I want to ask us what's going on within the church. Why is the church at large losing its voice? Why are we not impacting communities anymore? Why are our families falling apart and our marriages falling apart? Why are we losing young people? Is it because we don't know or because we don't care? We took um, a total of, I think, 19 kids to Bandina, Texas. And if you don't know where that is, all I'll describe it as is just as hot as here, but it's about 50 times more humid. It was just incredible. It was amazing. We loved it. And it was, I, I'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute, but, but let me tell you this. Here's a statistic that will just probably blow your mind, and I hope it breaks your heart. There are new studies out right now that are saying 4% of the kids in church today will not remain faithful throughout their lives. Four percent. If you go with that statistic, that means that at most one of the 19 kids that we took to camp will be faithful on into adulthood. Let's just, let's do this for a second. If you're under the age of, of 20, will you stand up? If you're under the age of 20, go ahead and stand up. Let's get an idea of this. Let's, let's look at this real fast. I see 2, 4, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. I see 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. Did I miss anybody? 19 right there, right in front of me. It, I, I, want you to look, I want you to look at these faces. You guys, if you are, I, I need you to do something real slowly. I just want you to kind of turn around and scan the audience. May everybody, just kind of turn around and look at everybody. All, if you are under, if you're all of those standing up, I want you to try to see. Did y'all get, oh, there's 21 right there. 
Okay, you get to pick one. You get one. And what are we going to do to make sure that they remain faithful? How are we going to help impact their lives? You guys, thank you so much. You can sit down. I, I love these guys. Um, I, I, you know, I'm so thankful, Wyatt, the role that you, you play here. Brevin and Kennedy, you guys are rock stars. They're here on Father's Day. They're not here normally on Sundays, one, because they're in Lubbock, two, because they're involved in their church. Can you imagine showing up as a look at what, what age group are y'all teaching? Can you imagine Brevin walking in, this stud baseball player, and he walks in with these kindergarten through second graders and he's teaching them? And sweet Miss Kennedy, what are you teaching? She does the nursery. I wouldn't put those little kids near Brevin. I mean, there's no time. He'd, have, he'd be juggling them before. You know, but just think about that. that. What an amazing impact that is. So I'm going to kind of twist you a little bit. There was about 20 kids who stood up. Which one are you pouring into? Because if we're not pouring into those kids, if we're not showing them the love of Jesus, then how in the world can we be mad at them that in five years they've walked away? Because if they don't know your name or your face, if they haven't sat at your table, if you haven't shown an interest in them, if you haven't talked to them about their sport, hey, I know it's hard. Guys, I just want to encourage you. These kids, they do a lot of different things. Go ask them what they do and show up at something they're involved in. If you have to pay $4 to go to one of their little basketball games and show up and cheer for them, then do it. Let that be a way that they know that they aren't alone. We call this a family. I want to encourage us to live like one. I'm a little excited. I apologize. You should know I just came back from camp, and that's what happens. These kids right here, a lot of them went to camp, and they are just on fire. They're, they're so excited. We had 258 campers all there in the heat. There was 14, 14 baptisms this last week, and there were zero cell phones. Can you believe that that might be the most amazing statistics? They showed up. They knew this ahead of time. No one was surprised. They signed up. You show up, and for a week, you don't have your phone. And it was so funny to watch that phone being taken out of their hand, and they're just like, I can't breathe. Hundreds of real deep conversations about sin and love and lust and forgiveness and accountability and commitments. I listen to those over and over again. I want you to know that these kids are not the future of the church and they're certainly not the problem. They are the now. You don't know how hard it was 
to wrangle up all those kids on Saturday morning and shove them into a van and make them leave that camp. It was like you would put one kid in and another would pop out another door and go run and cry, I can't leave you. We, we got, you know what? And they were so excited. And it, it was a lot about the relationships, but there was something really, really special that takes place when you just open yourself up for the Lord. And for some of these kids, for a lot of these kids, that's not what the other 51 weeks of their life looks like. It's not filled with Bible classes and prayer times and accountability. It's not filled with just times of praise. Guys, I, I, just, I wish you could see this. We go to this camp, like I said, it's, it is hot, hot, hot and uber humid. You walk outside and immediately you just start sweating. They have a praise and worship time. It is solely led by the kids. 250 people stand outside on a basketball court. Stand outside on a basketball court. And I, I'm sorry, like COVID said six feet. There was not six inches between these. They were all squeezed in together. I mean, Probably from that pew to here was how big that circle was. 250 kids standing for an entire hour singing songs. No lie. The whole hour, they're just singing. It was just so incredible. And they are absolutely on fire. But here's the thing. That basketball court is a long ways away and all those kids are spread out. And so what happens next? For those of you that, for whatever reason, they like to call that camp, they say we're on the hill. I think there's like an elevation change of about 12 feet. But it's more than just physical elevation. There's a spiritual high that those kids are on and they're coming back down the mountain and Satan is now attacking them. They have their phones with them. I've decided I'm going to rename what we should call phones. I think this is so awesome and amazing. I, I think we should start calling them rectanglers because all those little rectangles do is wreck our lives and just tangle us up in sin. So everybody, every time you look at your phone, I want you to think, I'm holding my rectangular. Or my rectangle, if you don't like that idea. But, but now all of a sudden, they get their phones back, they come back home. It's not a bunch of people singing, they're looking at their little brother, their mom is telling them to wash their clothes, and all these things are going on. And all of a sudden, they get hit, and they say, man, I'm off that. And, and then the apathy starts to set in. Now, I do want to offer a little bit of consolation. They're not the only ones. We're not the only ones who struggle with apathy. We get caught in with forgetting about who's around us, and, and showing up to church can just be something that we do because that's what we do. And Amos is going to address a group of people who have that same problem. And listen to what God says to this. I, I don't know how long it's been since you've run through Amos, but listen to what it says in Amos chapter 5, starting in verse 21. This is God speaking. I think you're going to be appalled if you hadn't heard this before and shocked if it's been a while since you have. This is what God says to His people. He says, I hate, I despise 
your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your song. I will not listen to the music of your harps. That's what God is saying to His people. His church people who show up. He says, stop doing it. I despise them. I hate them. He calls their songs. He says, just a bunch of noise. I don't want to listen to it anymore. Why is it? Because they've lost their heart. Because they don't care for other people. He goes on to say, but let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. He says, listen, if all your spirituality is about is what happens while you're sitting in here, don't come and sit here. He says that. He says, I despise it. I hate it. Get it away from me. It's a bunch of noise. If you don't love your neighbor, if you're not kind to your coworker, if you're not loving for, and forgiving and faithful to your spouse, stop showing up and pretending that you really care about me. Be faithful and righteous. So as I was studying this this last week, I came across this idea, and I'm really trying to mull it over. I shared it with the kids on Friday. I got to, to, to speak to them, and there's something that really hit me, and it's this whole idea of, of, of baptism. And I want to talk about this for my, my last few minutes. Uh, you're familiar with a couple passages. Uh, Matthew chapter 28, Jesus is about to leave. He gives them what we refer to as the Great Commission. He says, therefore, go, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. And of course, we all know Acts 2.38 Peter says, you know, they, he, they're cut to the hearts. Uh, he, he tells uh, the people at Pentecost what they've done wrong. Uh, they've uh, not followed Jesus. That, that They've crucified him. And they said, what do we need to do? He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So I want to talk about baptism for just a minute. Um, and and I, this is almost out of my area of expertise, but I'm going to go ahead and pretend like I know enough about it to, to talk about it. Um, there's a Greek word for baptism, and if you are at camp, you can't answer this because you already know. Uh, but where do we get the Greek, uh, where do we get the word baptism from? What, what word does that come from? Does anybody know? It's baptizo. So I don't really get this, so maybe you can help me out. Maybe there's somebody out here who's a translator. You understand this better than I do, but I don't really get it. Normally, when you're translating into a language, what you do is you say, okay, here's what this word is, okay, and let's find a word for what it means in the language I'm translating into. So the word baptizo means what? Does anybody know? It means to immerse. 
So they get to this word, immerse, and then they take it to the English, and they say what? They transliterate it. Basically it means is, we're going to say that word just like it sounds, and it's not going to mean immerse, it's going to mean baptize, and therefore it's a new word, and so it can mean kind of whatever we want it to mean. And I don't have a problem, don't hear me wrong, I do not have a problem at all with baptism. I, you look throughout the New Testament, everywhere, it, baptism, I just think maybe, maybe we've misunderstood what it means. So let me ask this question, hang with me for a second. Um, let me ask you this question. When were you baptized in Jesus? Tell me. Does anybody know? When were you baptized in Jesus? August 22nd, 1971. When were you baptized in Jesus? October 1963. When were you baptized in Jesus? April 12th, 1964. Just tell me the year. Can somebody tell me the year? When were you baptized in Jesus? 1954. When were you baptized in Jesus? 1958. 1968. Emmeline. Where's Emmeline? Hey, Emmeline, when were you baptized into Jesus? 2023. How about... Uh, June 16th, 2023, two days ago, Emmeline was baptized. <laughs> Sweet Emmeline, I love you. You are the thorn in my flesh. She's always picking on me, making fun of me, telling me how old I am, talking about my chicken legs. <laughs> That's a sister for you. She's my sister. So let me ask you this, what if, what if we stopped using that word for just a minute? Let's, let, instead of saying baptized, let me ask you this, I asked you, when were you baptized into Jesus? Let me ask you this, when were you immersed into Jesus? How about this, who was baptized into Jesus in the last 20 years? Raise your hand. If you were baptized into Jesus in the last 20 years, who was immersed into Jesus in the last 20 years? Think about it. I think somehow we got this idea that baptism was just this one-time thing at this one place. And because we use the word baptism, that makes sense. If somebody says, when were you baptized into Jesus? You're going to say, in 2023, in 1968, in 1954, in 1971. But let me ask you this. When was the last time you were immersed into Jesus? When was the last time you got lost in the love of Jesus? When was the last time you were overwhelmed with the mercy and the grace of Jesus? 
When was the last time you were completely lost in the fact that God is so amazing that He loves you and all you want to do is be completely surrounded by God and His people and just be overwhelmed and bathed in His love? Has that happened in the last 20 years? I don't think that baptism is really about this one-time thing. I think it's something that happens over and over and over again. I'm not saying that we get into the water every single day. I'm saying that we get into Jesus every single day. That we are immersed. It's not, I did this one time and now I'm out. It is, I'm continually being immersed into a life of love. And I'm continually living out a life where I'm dying to self and I'm living for Christ. I'm bearing my old self every day. I don't know about you, maybe you're better than me. There are some people in here that I, I would say they're water walkers. I'm not. I'm a sinker. Okay? I sink, right? And every day, I have to go down and I have to bury and push down all of those things that are attacking me and I have to say, I instead want to go under with Jesus and I want to come up and today I'm going to be immersed into Jesus. How many of you want to be immersed into Jesus today? Oh, we have, this is awesome. We have a show. And in a church of Christ, we're raising hands and nobody's asking a question. Folks, I just want to, I want to encourage you, don't let Satan just drag you down and take away the zeal that you have for the Lord. Jeremiah says, the word of God is in me like a fire in my bones. I can't contain it. I have to let it out. I want you to be excited about sharing and showing and living your faith. Be fully immersed into the life of Jesus. And so I want to call you today to say, God, I want to show up and I want my songs to you to be authentic. For some of you, your spirituality is just a little bit above a flat line. And I'm not saying that because I'm being judgmental. I'm saying it because the reality is, is that we're all like that at times. But it doesn't have to stay that way. Jesus is continually calling us back into relationship. And he says, come and be immersed in me. Now, do I still think these waters are important? You better believe it. I believe it is a, a commitment. I think me acting like a Christian husband to my wife is important every single day. But I still think there's a time when I should have stood before her, and I did, and say, I will vow to be the husband that God has called me to be. And every day I want to continue to live like that. But if you haven't made that commitment yet, 
I want to encourage you. I want to plead with you. I want to beg that you say, let this be the day that you're not going to end. You're going to start this daily baptism of this immersion into Jesus every day. And we'll start today. I don't know if we have water in there, but we've timed it. We can have water in there in just a few minutes. By the end of class time, because everybody wants to stay for class, by the end of class, you can go in there and we'll have you baptized. And we'll be standing around and singing and cheering. If you say, I'm not sure if I'm ready for that, but I want to talk a little bit more about that, I, I would love to sit down and talk with you about it. We have elders that would love to sit down and talk with you about it. We have good godly men and women in here who would love to sit down and talk with you about this and say, hey, what does this really mean? Don't, don't wait any longer. Don't allow another day of apathy to, to just wear you down. Dive in to the love that Jesus has for us and do it this morning as we stand and sing.